An analytical mind. Ability to have intention. Empathy. Passion. Commitment. Genuineness. Authentic. Driven. Relatability. Collaboration. What do these things have in common? Stay tuned as we have an expert panel discussion to connect these dots. Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Welcome back to Therapists in Motion podcast series. This is Dan again. It's been a while since I've hosted a podcast. We are on location this time in Portland, Oregon. We are blessed to be podcasting again with some members from Institute of Physical Arts, some familiar guests to us here on the Therapist in Motion podcast, Uh, co-founder of the Institute of Physical Art, Greg Johnson, his partner in Johnson & Johnson Physical Therapy, and the director of the fellowship program within the Institute of Physical Art, Brent Yamascha, as well as two of my colleagues from Spooner Physical Therapy, Tori Foster and Carrie Schofield. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. So, you know, I, I think most of our listeners have uh, heard our previous podcasts with Greg and Brent, um, and then the ones with Greg and his son, Ryan. And we always have really in-depth, engaged, um, fun conversations. And so I thank you guys for returning to podcast with us. And, you know, in the intro, we kind of discussed some characteristics um, some buzzwords, some attributes, and I guess my first question is, is when I hear those attributes, I really think that those qualities lend ourselves to say, you know what, that's a successful manual physical therapist. Greg, I'm going to ask you the first question. When you hear those buzzwords, those attributes. Talk to me about what you look for and what, you know, throughout your 40, 40 years of the Institute, and congratulations on 40 years. Thank you. How have you seen those individuals excel and thrive throughout your classes, throughout your students, throughout your um, interactions in Steamboat and across the country and world? You know, Dan, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time and inviting Brent and I to be able to be involved in this podcast. And this is really a subject that's near and dear to me. It is really looking at the heart of who we are as physical therapists and to be able to really understand uh, the qualities and the attributes that lend themselves well for the service of our patients. For me, it really started early in my career when I got to meet some of the greats in physical therapy. I got to work with Maggie Knott for seven years. I got to meet Stanley Paris, only Grimsby, uh, uh, and many of the great osteopaths, uh, even individuals such as Moshe Feldenkrais. And there is a common thread that I see among many of the great physical therapists that I interact with. And it's those attributes that I think are important for all of us to analyze. And I'd say in myself, some of the attributes that we're going to be talking about tonight are not necessarily ones in myself, 
that I had naturally. But they're ones that the demands of my profession and the desires for me to serve have helped to develop. And so as we looked at those words that you used in your opening, I'd have to be able to, to say that as I've looked at individuals to be fellows in our fellowship, many of those attributes are some of the ones that I evaluate for in those individuals because they're caring for the patients in my clinic. They are also attributes that I evaluate for in faculty members that we've developed over the years, uh, many of them extremely successful. And because they are trying to promote our approach and also to excite and to pass on excellence to those who take our courses. And so for me, it's not necessarily the high level of intelligence or even a high level of skills that it's as important as the high level of those attributes that you began this uh, process with. So I want to ask another question. Those attributes that I read at the beginning, do you think those apply to all physical therapists or just manual physical therapists? Well, you know what? Because I am such a strong believer that the human touch is such an important part of relaying uh, each one of those attributes, I am much more involved in the manual physical therapy process. So I don't necessarily believe that the physical therapist who's involved in supervising exercise, instructing classes, uh, being involved in, in other forms of physical therapy than manual therapy, necessarily have to have each one of those attributes because what I'm most interested in is that per the quality of the person who is using their touch to be able to serve another person. Greg, may I ask you a, a complimentary question to that? When I hear those attributes, they don't talk about physical touch, but those attributes can be learned and or enhanced through um, experience and guidance. The first opportunity you have to interact with the patient is that ability to connect and for them to feel those attributes from you before you engage them through manual therapy. So when you look at that, manual therapy might be an opportunity to enhance that connection and that relatability to the patient, what they're going to get from that experience. So can you talk about not only the touch, but what that relatability, that connection, that conversation is before you even go into the engagement with the manual touch. And, and Tori, I think that that's really an important question. Uh, when we choose to go down the route of, of being a manual therapist within physical therapy, the questions and the relationship we develop with the patient uh, for us to be effective 
is much different than the physical therapist who is just going to be involved in directing someone in an exercise program. Because for me, that first relationship is gaining access to who that human being is, what their needs are, and gaining permission for me to eventually touch them. So my relationship in that one has to be quite different than if what I'm doing is trying to design an exercise program or instruct them on on what they need to do for their lifestyle compared to when I'm going to be entering into their space by my touch. I need to be able to have developed rapport. And for me, that rapport is my access point and my respect of that individual to gain access to be able to serve them through my touch. Thank you, Greg. So, you know, we, we hear in physical therapy school, you need to treat the whole person. But yet, there's a component of our education, and I'm not going to bag on my home institution of Creighton, because I think they did a great job of this. They're so set on teaching us differential diagnosis and truly trying to find a underlying issue or put a diagnosis on a patient. Right, and they are so cluster test oriented and saying like, oh my gosh, you didn't do these three special tests for the shoulder, therefore you fail this practical exam, you're never gonna be a good physical therapist. Brent, I want you to take a little time and reflect on that, that development where we get out of school and we think we have all the answers. <laughs> and, then, and then we get into those patients and we go, oh my gosh, I don't really know what to do, but yet there's still a reason that they come back to see us. Dan, thanks again for having me on my uh, second podcast uh, in my career of 21 years as a physical therapist. Um, having reflected on many different paradigms that I've studied and pursued excellence and in the hopes that I could connect with someone on my current patient list or someone that I've not yet met um, is, is part of, I think, the constant curiosity and the, the kind of attributes that I saw in the mentors that uh, were part of the Institute of Physical Art that drew me to being with like-minded people, lots of different personalities, lots of different skill sets, but some common threads that I do think speak to more of an even universal sort of attribute of what makes people connected and successful when, when working with people. And what Greg alluded to earlier is a sort of a service-oriented profession that I think a lot of physical therapists got into to the profession for that reason. And and so one of the things to bridge off your question is I think that in order to have some level of, of skill acquisition and competency to, to bestow a, a graduate degree, a doctorate degree nowadays, I went through at a master's degree level, is to have some level of, of controlled 
outcomes, some some level of being able to provide a, a parameter, a, a box even, if you will. And I think the the really successful people in our profession, both the manual therapist I'll speak to as well as the movement specialists have been box breaking. They are iconoclastic. They have looked at the norms and the standards and they have attempted in their own way and their own conviction and their own pursuit of excellence to say, I, I'm going to move out of my known barriers of what I've been able to accomplish just before this next session because this next patient may need something a little different. And, and I think you've seen, guys, in taking this Functional Mobilization 2 course that we're teaching a paradigm and a methodology of concepts, but how many times have we uh, gone a little tangential because <laughs> the person on the table, <laughs> and, I, and I'd really like to prep Carrie for this one, the person on the table has presented with something that wasn't quite in the list in the manual. And we've had to use the methodology and the principles, but we've also had to get really creative in the process to, to really meet the patient, whether on the table or uh, in the exercise studio, where they're at to have the most effective impact. Yeah, I guess, Brent, what you're saying is, and I've found in treating, I have patients come to see me and they say, you know, well, my doctor's never thought this way or no one else has really thought this way. And I think it's just taking that extra time to think about how the patient is presenting as a whole and, you know, what else do they need at the time? You know, you may have an idea when they come into the clinic of what you're going to do that day, but they may be presenting totally different and you kind of have to step outside of that line and say, okay, what do they need right now and how can I help them so that they can move forward? Um, I think we all come out of school wanting to be a safe therapist and that's what we're taught. And I think everyone to a degree wants to help everyone. It's just those who want to go that extra step, I think are the ones that are you know, making the difference now. And I can compliment that. I can't remember who to give credit to, but I heard one time there's a difference between gathering information and hunting for information. You can gather and gather and gather, and then what does it mean versus hunting for something that is applicable to the patient's needs. And then beyond that, once you find the information, have you asked the best questions to know what's important to the person, what they functionally want to accomplish? And sometimes you try something, and maybe it works or it doesn't work, but are you willing to challenge yourself to try something and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't work but if it doesn't work then you're going a different route versus trying something um, that maybe worked not as much as you wanted but you're good enough with that nope I'm gonna go and try the best thing possible for this patient would one of you talk about something you've tried outside the box that maybe worked or didn't work to the benefit of the patient and what you did um, to change that person's experience because you went outside the norm, outside of that box you talked about, Brent, yeah. please. I, uh, I want to address it just a little bit because going back to those original attributes, I was sitting there for the first few minutes thinking, you know, so, some of us just aren't aware that we carry those attributes and yet we find ourselves in our journey, as Greg alluded to, having, a, having developed some attributes that... Um, 
really come from those that we surround ourselves with. And so I, I, I really feel for the solo practitioner out there that has um, got great intention and great people skills, but isn't getting to see the sort of sharpening process that happens in a collaborative environment. And so rather than reflect on myself and what I've, what I've done, I, I've got this man sitting next to me here, Greg Johnson, who I have watched time and time again be able to connect in those ways with people out of out of the need presented in front of him and there he commonly references that need is the mother of invention uh having spent 16 years of taking courses with greg johnson and eight years being in practice with him he will still come into the clinic on a regular basis with something i've never seen him do you know there is no end to the man's creativity and his ability to all of a sudden come up with a new component to how to ask a question, how to get to a place of, of empathy. People that maybe our, our staff have been treating for several to multiple visits, all of a sudden they're, they're in tears as they meet Greg and he's had all of five minutes with them, Tori. It is truly a, a, a powerful thing to watch someone who is so in touch with being fully present with that patient that he gains access to information that I think other people have spent multiple sessions and not, not arriving to. And I think that's, that's brilliant because as therapists, whether we're novice or experienced, we can sometimes feel judged if somebody else is coming in and helping us. But if we're truly, vu- thank you, truly vulnerable to asking for help because we see an opportunity to help somebody, that patient commonly will really truly appreciate that opportunity to help himself or herself. So I think that just speaks to once again, that ability to, maybe we didn't say it early on, but that vulnerability to learn and to ask questions and to continue to grow. So, and I'll let Greg have the mic back again in a moment here, but one of the ways that I think that I see that fleshed out when, um, when I see Greg or, or Vicki Johnson or Dean Hazama or uh, Kent Kaiser and other, other mentors of mine is that there, there is a level of intention. There's a level of authority that they carry. So, so let's just, you know, put some tangibility to it. Their years of experience and intentional practice lead them to having an authority about, I, I'm going to be able to solve this mechanical or neuromuscular or movement problem. But what I'm really after is a root component of what's driving that patient to seek care in the first place. So they have all, all the con ed that we teach gives you the scaffolding for having the confidence and the competence to have a skill set. But what makes an expert stand out differently is that seeking the patient's motivation. And that comes through intentional questions and being a, a good sleuth. So that answer connects back to a previous podcast we did where we did intention intuition with Greg and Ryan back in January. I don't know what episode number that was off the top of my head. But I want any of you, Greg, Brent, Tori, Carrie, to really kind of reflect about what it takes to train or unlock or help a therapist find those attributes that sometimes are internal in them, but either they lack that self-awareness or they're scared to let that attribute come out. They're scared to be vulnerable with that patient or with their colleague 
or with their boss. Can you talk about how maybe you've helped to draw those out of people you've interacted with in your career or that you've seen in your fellows or in your residents or in your students or in your participants or in your guys' employees as directors of, 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 ther- of, of therapists with ranging experiences from new grads to more experience than any of us have combined? Well, I think I'll take the mic again. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to do what a uh, good mic holder does. I'm actually going to turn it over to Brent because Brent <laughs> went through a process both through gaining his certification and accomplishing his fellowship and also being able to get to a point where he inspires his patients and he trains the fellows at a level that is... I don't think there's many other individuals in our profession who could match what Brent does. And I have to say that I've been blessed to be a part of his growth. And I think more than anything, I'd like to hear how that interaction with me and others have been a part of him, his discovery and his journey. Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> do that well. <laughs> that, that's what Greg, you know, said for even the weekend course is there's no pressure here to uh, teach this course. But then, well, why don't you do this section next? And so, you know, I, I <laughs> uh, so I think I think in speaking of that is that I've I've um, been able to be, I think, open to others thought process and ideas and I think uh, you know I took a, a course about dentistry and physical therapy in Miami Florida about two months ago and it was all about no dogmas and so I think one of the things that my upbringing allowed me to have just as uh, just as a person was to being open to the viewpoints of others and being able to uh, I think receive from from some of the better stuff that they had to offer and then being able to sort of chew on and not necessarily reject but decide that the other components weren't necessarily um, for me okay and so in the process I'll tell you about some of the mistakes I've made to get to a level of being able to train a number of different individuals and one of those mistakes is just trying to trying to be more like Greg Okay, <laughs> those are those are big shoes to fill. To try to take on a component of, I think, being like I just I know I don't have the vocabulary and the number of words that Vicky Johnson has, and so I really had to adapt the 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 material that was being taught to me, and I think adapt it and really kind of come back to trueness of myself. And is in this journey, it's about further discovering who we actually are and that's getting a little bit uh, possibly touchy-feely but it's it's really about learning um, what your what motivates you what brings you joy in life what what gets you back into a groove in which you're in the zone and then being able to bring the best out in other people yeah if I may compliment that I listening to Greg talk earlier today about observing his mentor and 
taking the steps to make sure he was present with that individual, I think speaks volumes to, you know, interviewing right, hiring right, and having the right people that wanted to learn. And as somebody that has now 17 years of experience coming to a course like this with uh, experts such as yourselves, you know, is humbling and reinvigorates me to continue to learn. And I think when we kind of look at that curiosity factor, it's asking a question, whether it's to a colleague to continue to learn or asking questions of our patients. And maybe something went well, maybe something didn't go right. But if you're asking that question, what do you think? Or what you learn so much by asking your patients questions and they will help guide and they will teach you just as much as if not more than some of your mentors will as well. And I find that such a valuable opportunity if you take the time to ask a question, to think about it analytically, and then to go back and hopefully have a more profound experience on their treatment. Um, and, and for me, I, I think that's been very valuable over time is taking the time to listen. So I have a question for either one of you. Um, Brent, you were talking about your pathway and the decisions that you've made and the, the mistakes that you've made. And we've talked about it in this course this weekend about how it's, it's okay to fail and to pick yourself back up. And that's what makes you stronger and a better therapist. And I know just in my pathway of, you know, the route that I've chosen, um, just experiencing things myself have made me more passionate about how I go treat patients. But can you give any advice to therapists coming out now? I'm part of a generation that is afraid to fail and make mistakes. And I'm also part of a generation that I think we want to do well but we need that kind of instant gratification and we want to do things now and we want to be successful now, you know, can you give any advice to, um, you know, how to go along that journey and be okay with, you know, learning things along the way and knowing that you don't have to know it all now and um, how to pick up those things along the way? Wow, what a great question. And it really is a generational question that you have an insight in that I think is so valuable for those coming out of school. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read an amazing book called Grit. But uh, Grit really presents that ability of individuals to have such a passion to accomplish that they are capable of overcoming any of their failures and continue on their goal. And it presents in there a really paradigm that I'd have to say is what I've observed. We've now been having certification for 20 years. And in the early years of certification, most of the individuals who failed had a passion to come back and succeed again. In the last five years with this new generation, failure is devastating. And I've had to develop whole new tools to relate with this generation. The generation was to me 
destroyed from an essence of human nature, which is competition and growing from their failures. This is a generation that was raised on getting a trophy if they showed up at a baseball game. This is a generation that never got to leave a baseball game and said we won or we lost. This is a generation that whether they didn't pass a single test in school, they got passed on to the next grade. We have so taken away the basic attribute of competition and the basic attribute of learning from your failures. I've got to say, I stand here today a better man because of every one of my failures. My failures have defined me more than my successes. I am successful because of most of my failures. And so I now go to the CFMT class and spend two hours trying to discuss with them the importance of being able to fail with the passion to be able to succeed in the future and the belief that I have in them that they will. It is a different paradigm and a challenging situation because I do not believe there will ever be a point in human experience where we're going to get a trophy in all of our jobs for just showing up to work. I'd like to put one more word out there to that list, and it's resiliency. And so I think that when it comes to this fear of failure, if you could, nobody likes to fail that I've ever really met. We all talk about its growth benefit, but it's because of the growth that comes from failure. Nobody, none of my children want to fail. And it's, it's not a great feeling. So when we focus on the growth aspect, that's, that's this concept of resiliency. It's both within the physical therapist personally, and it's in what you're trying to draw out of every individual patient that you interact with. The resiliency to recover from a surgery, a trauma, uh, uh, a setback, a feeling great, and then all of a sudden having to go back through the, the process again. And so that's, that's a concept that I know we're cutting short here, but that I'd like to add to the dialogue. You know, I just want to talk to those therapists who are just entering the profession and let you know that you are entering the greatest profession on the planet. But know that it's a profession that's based upon what Brent just said, your resiliency. And the attributes that Dan put at the beginning of this are ones that if you do not have empathy, if you don't really feel that caring for your individual patients, then you can develop that. And once you develop that attribute, the joy you have from serving those people you have empathy for, success or failure, is beyond anything you can believe. You are in the greatest profession, but it takes your ability to be able to grow, fail, and be able to uh, move forwards after those challenges. Dan, will you read those attributes back to us, please? Certainly. Analytical mind, ability to have intention, empathy, passion, commitment, genuineness, authentic, driven, relatability, collaboration, and I'll add the one that Brent had, resiliency. So Greg, to compliment your last comment, 
with a question. How do you mentor to those attributes to help that therapist become more successful? You know, uh, of all the challenges I've had in my professional life, some of those attributes to be able to help an individual unlock them in him because my personal belief is every one of those attributes whether it's an analytical mind it's empathy it's passion it's resiliency every one of those are attributes we can develop as human beings we just have to be willing to let go of our past and move forwards to our future with that with that absolute intention that we're going to become the best physical therapist we can be. And with that, we often transform who we are as human beings. Thank you. I think we've had some really good discussions, some, some insightful questions, some honest and thoughtful responses to the questions as well as, you know, some philosophical discussion, right? Like, I know sometimes our listeners are probably thinking, good Lord, all these guys do is have philosophical discussions. But I think those philosophical discussions really lend themselves to say, you know what, there's so much more to physical therapy than learning a technique or learning a movement system or learning a new evaluation. It's really that connection and that engagement with your patient with your colleague and learning so much more about yourself. Greg, you did a great job at the beginning of, of FM2 of talking about how us as therapists have to really hone in on our own self-awareness and our own symptoms. And when you go to a course like Functional Mobilization 2 and you feel those improvements all of a sudden you start to unlock and find some of those additional attributes that we talked about here and that were and that were listed at the beginning of this podcast. And I really think that's what is going to help continue to inspire that therapist who like Tori has 17 years of 17 years of experience and is just now kind of starting to dabble in the IPA or that therapist who is a student and they're doing an IPA course to be able to come and be do a rotation in one at J and JPT, they're starting to unlock and find those, those attributes that are hidden in some situations within them or realize through your guys' inspiration that they can take the time to train it moving forward. So I, I want to thank Greg, Brent, Tori, Carey for your time, your insight. Um, as always, if you guys have any feedback, please don't hesitate to uh, reach out to us at therapistsinmotion at spoonerpt.com. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to do a clinical pearls component with Greg, Brent, Tori, and, and, and Carrie for our next uh, episode. So thanks and have a great night. <laughs>